HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Cutting the Curd is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American international style and original cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country? For more information, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd, broadcasting live on the Heritage Radio Network. This is your host, Greg Blaze. On last week's show, I spoke with Jason Hines, one of the co-founders of the Essex Street Cheese Company, about Conte, arguably one of the best cheeses in the world. One of my takeaways from my conversation with Jason is the way in which cheese, specifically Conte, is so much more than just cheese. Cheese can transport us through time and place because of its inherent connection to the land and the animals and the people who make it. Made in a similar style to Conte, Upland's Pleasant Ridge Reserve is also arguably one of the best cheeses in the world, certainly one of the best in the United States. It's been a staple in the counters I've run over the years because of its consistent high quality and true taste of place. With that in mind, on today's show, we have the lead cheesemaker and proprietor of Upland's Cheese, Andy Hatch. How are you doing, Andy? Great, Greg. Thanks. Thanks for having me. (laughs) It's a pleasure. So, Andy, this has been a big year for you, man. Um, when you were on Cutting the Curd previously, you, uh, you spoke a little bit about your uh, seasonal grass-based dairy system. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the changes over at Uplands this year. Uh, well, if you're referring to the, the, the change in ownership. Yeah, I sure uh, are. I sure am. <laughs> yeah, changing of the seasons or of the guard. Uh, this is uh, something that's been in the works for a long time. I started here uh, in uh, 2007 as, as an apprentice under Mike, and then gradually just took on more and more responsibility, you know, became the head cheesemaker, and then started running the caves and uh, talking to customers. So. Uh, it was something we'd been talking about for years and years, but it was finally in February that um, we signed the paperwork. And uh, so I, I, my wife and I bought the farm with uh, another couple, Scott and Liana Marika. Uh, so we're following really in the same pattern that Mike and uh, Dan Patnot established, where yeah. you know, there are two families running the farm. One runs the cow end and the, and the other the cheese end. Uh, and uh, so we basically just stepped uh, right into their shoes. Scott uh, 
running the cows now had, had been here for for years too. So it was a big deal in one sense, but uh, in another sense, nothing has changed. You know, day to day, it uh, is running this, the same with the same people as, as it has for years. What are the what are your new challenges? I mean, as the owner, I mean, you say nothing's changed, but it, it's literally it's got to be something a little bit different. Everything's changed. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know. Uh, you may, I manage a little bit more stress. You know, I always yeah. uh, uh, watched the numbers and had to, but I, I sweat them a little more now. You know, I suppose running a cheese counter, uh, you know, you've got to uh, manage your inventory, control, you know, control your costs, look at your sales. But you know, when then when it's you writing the checks, uh, there's a there's another layer of pressure. Sure, uh, but yeah, I imagine. Yeah. So it was easier being the cheese maker. I think back about those days and all I do is, is yeah, make cheese. It'd be done at like three in the afternoon. Go get on the motorcycle or whatever. Go fishing. I mean, now I finish making cheese. I, I just finished, uh-huh. uh, and now I get to my desk. And now you know I have a whole other day's work basically at at the desk. But uh, it's what I wanted. It's it, and it hasn't been uh, uh, disappointing at all. It's but it's a challenge. I think you know a lot of uh, people who are uh, good at something. It's a, there's an irony in, in, in as they rise through their craft. You get to the point where you're managing people doing the work that you were once good at. Yeah, it's tough to take your hands out of it, I would imagine, just because. And, and, so I, I don't imagine I'll ever get totally to that stage. I mean, uh, right now I'm at my desk. I'm probably it's eight feet from the vat. Yeah, you know, that's great. So, uh, uh, you know, we're ideally at a sweet spot here in terms of size, I think, where I can still uh, make cheese, you know, ha- handle sales and customers and employees. And, uh, you know, I think if we got a magnitude bigger, a lot of that would change. I-, I might have to start choosing one role or the other. But for now, when one of the things that was really appealing to me about this operation was that uh, I-, I could still have a hand in every part of it. No, and you certainly, I mean, I actually, I understand what you mean. I mean, I do manage. I don't write the checks. I feel like I do sometimes. <laughs> um, Your body's writing the checks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, in more ways than one, actually. Uh, but I I understand it's not that you have to let go, but it's just, uh, it is a little bit different. Um, there's that layer that you're used to having, uh, or that I'm used to having, you know, that you can put your back up against. But, I mean, yeah. that that layer is you now. I mean... That, yeah, that must be that must be a little bit different from you for you, but I mean the cheese is as great as ever. So you know. Well, thanks. <laughs> it's, it's something you know. I inherited here sort of a culture of just of curiosity and um, tinkering, and you know, and Mike was that way. Uh, both he and I have brains that we, we just we can be totally consumed by improving the one thing. You know, uh, people ask me, uh, you know, do you get bored making just uh, one thing? <laughs> That's hard to I, do. Yeah, I just think, well, if you, you know, you're not looking at it closely enough. If, you know, if your attention's wandering, there's so much to uh, pay attention to. And, um, you know, it, seasonal uh, raw milk pasture-based cheese is, is always going to be uh, variable, and that's the, that's the beauty of it. Uh, may, I mean... Anytime you're dealing with one product, I mean, I remember when I worked for Essex and I sold the, the Comte, it's difficult. I mean, it's, 
it's easier sometimes to have a bunch of things to turn to, you know, and uh, you have yeah. to you have to maintain consistency, you know. Um, that cheese has to taste the same all the time, you know, for people not to, and it has to be at a very high level, which it which you know it obviously is, you know. I mean, that's that's a tough thing to do. Yeah, there's nowhere to hide. I mean, <laughs> well, have you seen our? You know, no, it's just you know you and your one cheese. Um, well, you're yeah. two cheeses, right? I mean, you're two still going to make. Yeah, we still kind of talk about it. Yeah, like it's not in the room, but Rush, we we do make a little bit of Rush Creek every year. Uh, just a little bit, right? Yeah, <laughs> you're going to continue to do that. I hope. I mean, I I beg you. As long as we're allowed to, you bet. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, you know, and I was talking uh, before in the intro um, how I had spoken to Jason last week about uh, about Conte, and uh, I just. Uh, I wanted to get your opinion on that. You know that that cheese definitely is the evidence of the terroir that it comes from. You know, given the care and like the animals' diet and uh, you know the altitude, the, the pastures, and it's just how it affects the culture around it. Um, and uh, I believe that your cheese is the same. You know, I mean, do you feel that it's absolutely a representation of the land that that it comes from? It, it is, and that's sort of the, the whole goal behind how we run our whole farm you know we have a a closed herd of cows we don't buy in outside cows so the same families of cows we've been breeding for decades uh you know they just eat our own pasture and we just use that milk to make our cheese so everything we're doing uh not pasteurizing the milk ripening here on the farm everything we're doing is to make uh as direct a connection as possible between um our soil and climate and uh what the customer tastes and Conte is, is, yeah, in my mind, the benchmark for that. For uh, alpine especially, cheese. Especially right? in terms of how well it's organized on a larger scale, which gets away from what we're doing as one farm. But uh, they're, they've systematically, you know, managed to uh, capture the flavor of that landscape. And uh, I mean, that's a beautiful thing to taste, but and then also to, to behold the, the economic impact it's had. You know, I, I haven't had a chance to listen to what Jason's, uh, said about it, but I mean, what what Comte represents uh, as a you know an, an economic force and a cultural force over there is like is, to me is the benchmark for what a cheese can do for a a rural community. It's a beautiful thing, and you, you know the the model here originally with with Mike was Beaufort, and, right? And that, you know, single herd of cows, summer milk only. Yeah, uh, I tend to look uh, more at Comte, especially when. It, Know, it comes to uh, uh, affinage and selection and how detail-oriented they are and understanding their cheese. Yeah, you know, people ask me all the time, you come out with a new cheese, like, do you, do you say that to the Comte guys? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when, you, when you say that you use them as a model, that's a good, so you want to be able to, uh, to get people to understand the difference between cheeses made in the, the fall and the spring and the summer. Is that, you know? In, in I, all... do, I, I want to understand. I mean, to open right. that, all that uh, variability up to your customers gets complicated, and there are certain customers uh, that want to have a dialogue like that a guy like you buying cheese you'll say yeah give me something nine ten months you know you know what you're looking for what what impresses me so much about the, some of the comte entrepreneurs and i've visited the one jason works with uh with jason uh marcel petito yeah. you know over a hundred thousand wheels it's crazy for yeah five five guys spending all their days uh tasting and uh selecting uh just so the the level of attention they pay to uh, 
you know, variability of flavor and, and linking the right cheese with the right customer. That, you know, is my goal. I spend the whole summer, you know, bent over the vat, pumping right. it out, making cheese. And in the winter, I, that's when I think try to think like, you know, San Antoine. Sure. You're there in the caves, you're sorting through all these batches of cheese. For us, it's about 150. I was going to say, how many wheels? How many wheels? Yeah, are, yeah. ten thousand. Ten thousand wheels. You know, 150 <laughs> days. It's like going through a library of time. You know, June second or June fourth. You're going through the history of the season, and you're trying to figure out, you know, what is the sweet spot for that cheese? When is it ready, and who should it go to? What do you feel is the best? What's the optimal age for uh, Pleasant Ridge Reserve? I hate to give a qualified answer when you want <laughs> like a number, but yeah, it depends what you're going to do with it. Like, you know, fondue, melting it, right. younger, seven, eight months. Right. You know, uh, something big after dinner, you know, you 15 months. 15. Six, 15, 16. But for me, the most often what I want, I mean, I want to actually tuck into a, you know, six, five, six ounces of cheese, a lot of cheese. It would be like 13. 13 yeah, months? 10, yeah, 10, 12, 13 months. Depends, you know, on the batch, but... No, no, and I, I understand. I mean, I, and I'll be, obviously, you know, all the cheeses, all your cheeses are a tiny bit different, which I mean is is the beauty of it for you, especially, I'm sure, when you're like, when you're sorting them all out there in the winter, you know, you're, you're ironing them and turning them. Yeah. That's good. I mean, that's... It's like uh, having, yeah, different children. <laughs> Only 150. Of course they're different, yeah. <laughs> no Out here deal. in Wisconsin, we like to <laughs> big family. No, that's, um, I mean, I I love, uh, personally, uh, I love uh, I love Alpine cheeses, and I've been a big supporter of your of your cheese uh, from the days um, uh, when Mike when Mike brought some to me, and, oh, Jesus, way back in, like, a brown sack, you know, and, like, came. Yeah, and Mike refers to you as one of his first ever customers. <laughs> he, uh... He was. Um, I, I'll never forget that. Um, I mean, uh, for for myself, uh, Pleasant Ridge Reserve. Um, you know, as I've gotten to know you, it's been uh, fantastic. That's always been one of my, uh, like a, how do you use this word sparing, like a touchstone of, uh, of cheese in America. You know, and um, I mean, for you, you must be you must be so happy and so proud to be able to continue that and like in a seamless transition. You know, I mean, I can. Yeah, it, it was very lucky for all of us. The timing and. Um... It's awfully tempting, uh, you know, just as an American, you want to go do something new. And, you know, there's been so many new exciting cheeses the last 10 years that the, the appeal of trying to go do my own new thing was was there. The, the pole was there? But, yeah, but there was nobody else here uh, who was going to take it over. And so, you know, faced with the thought of... Uh, Pleasant Ridge going extinct. Uh, oh my God, no! That yeah, would not be good. Know, <laughs> uh, so no, we were we were really lucky uh, with the timing, and it you know uh, it took a you know Mike's vision and generosity. You see a lot of farm transitions uh, struggle because you know Dad won't let go, or um, or there's no, sometimes there's no one to give it to. There's no one yeah. there to give it to. I went, when I talked to uh, to Lisa Hall in one of the first episodes I did, she talked to me, she was talking to me about how just how difficult it is just to have a, you know a subsistence farmer or an independent farm in the state of Wisconsin in general right now. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, yeah, it's obviously it's an issue for for farms. They've known that for a long time, but I think it's also going to be an issue for uh, our industry. You know, you have some of these. Uh, 
small to mid-sized cheese companies uh, whose uh, owner-operators are in their 60s, 70s, right. you know, what's their exit strategy? You know, you get, uh, as, you know, we're 100,000 pounds of cheese. You get this big, it, it, it takes, you know, guys like me can't afford to, uh, to come in and buy it. So, you know, the, right. the people that can't afford are uh, bigger dairy companies, bigger fish, you know, swallowing smaller fish. And you see that in the craft beer industry. I don't no, know enough do. about that to know what kind of consequences it has, but certainly the worry you have with uh, American artisan cheese is, a, a, you know, a loss of diversity. That's and, tough. That's you tough. Know, if, you, if you can't keep these independent operators independent, uh, what, what are we going to lose? Well, you lose everything. I mean, and to me, you know, as a, as a like a purchaser of cheese, I mean, I, sometimes I look at it the other way, you know. And I talk to people um, since I took over doing the weekly shows, you know, and I've I've asked everybody, asked people in like the old school and new school series, you know, can is there too much cheese sometimes? So sometimes, you know, you, when you when you're being brought things, you know, you think, oh Jesus, there's so much cheese out there, you know. Yeah. But yeah, then yeah. when you look at it, like from from your perspective, you like that. It's it's so tenuous a grip on that because. It can all just go away really quickly, you know, due to those uh, due to those circumstances. If you don't have a transition, that's proper. And I, I think they're seeing that in France now. You know, they they are according to the people I've talked to. You know, like they there is like this. Um, I don't know if it's a generational thing, but they're 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 it's shrinking. Like farmstead operations are shrinking, or so I've been told. That's, that's yeah, that's what I hear too. Um, we, uh, you know, I, I think based on the opportunities and. In, in, in U.S. that don't exist in Europe for, for growth, you know, developing new products and, and uh, feeding a market that wants, you know, new and innovative cheese. There, there are, there's an appeal here for young cheesemakers to get into it. Um, of course, it's, it's, but financially it's difficult. The, the cheese reporter last week, I think, had a piece done uh, out of Oregon State. They've, they looked at the startup costs. Uh, for an artisan cheesemaking operation in the U.S., and I think uh, to make they thought to to scale up to sixty thousand pounds, which is uh, you know an, not a big operation. They thought it was about six to seven hundred thousand dollars. That's not a lot. You'd need in cash. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of money. It's a capital intensive, and, and that's assuming you're. No, I don't mean it's home. not a lot of. Uh, it's not a lot of money. I don't mean that's not a lot of of uh, of. Output for the uh, for right. for the investment. I'm sorry if I wasn't clear. I mean that's like, right. Yeah, that's... To make a return on that is is going to be difficult. So I, I don't know what, what the answer is. I mean I certainly don't see subsidies <laughs> coming down the pipeline for small scale cheesemakers. But um, uh, you know I, I hope that uh, as an industry we just stay aware that uh, you know young people like me it's, it's not easy to get in the game and. Uh, well, no. In my case, I got really lucky, but we, we need to keep figuring out how to give uh, young people opportunity and uh, make I mean, sure that the, the independent businesses that are so meaningful to uh, artisan American cheese can stay, you know, independent, distinctive. And well, you can say that you're lucky, and I mean, you were definitely fortuitous, and the, the opportunity was there for you. But you also took it and you ran with it, and that's yeah. Uh, oh yeah, I take, we're, we're taking an enormous risk. Yeah, I, mean, I signed my life where you know. <laughs> you uh, literally bought the farm. My God, man, that's a, It's like yeah. you're 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 there. I mean, that that I think is the is more um, well to me. What I love about about your operation and uh, 
despite all of those risks, uh, you did that. You didn't change anything except for for the better. You know, I mean, you you look at it the same way. And I think it's important for our industry to have those people who are pillars and like those cheeses that are that are pillars and that are always going to be there. You know, and that's something that you definitely definitely provide. And uh, I, I sure appreciate it. <laughs> it's an easy sell for me, you know, <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> and the cheese is great. Um, so we're going to have to take a short break. Um, but when we come back, we'll continue talking with Andy Hatch uh, from Uplands Dairy. Thanks a lot. Hi, I'm Damon Bolte host of The Speakeasy. This summer, Heritage Radio Network is turning five years old. Since our launch in 2009, we've continued to bring you food and culture content like no one else. And we need, absolutely need your help. HeritageRadioNetwork.org is a passionate, grassroots, action-oriented, nonprofit organization. That means we depend on the support from listeners like you to keep us alive. If you love what you hear on Heritage Radio Network, visit our website and become a member today. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support. The dairy farm families of Wisconsin and the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board are proud to underwrite Cutting the Curd on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Wisconsin cheeses have an illustrious heritage of more than 170 years of quality and craftsmanship. During this long and rich history, the art and science of cheesemaking have been captured in time-honored traditions that produce cheese varieties of unsurpassed excellence. Today, Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit www.eatwisconsincheese.com. Hi, I'm Reggie Watson. You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We're back on Cutting the Curd. On the phone, we have Andy Hatch of Uplands Cheese in Dodgeville, Wisconsin. Um, during the Old School New, ser- New School series I was doing a couple weeks ago, I asked each cheesemaker to tell me a little bit about what they envision to be the future of their cheeses and their cheesemaking operations. Uh, we started to talk about the future of all cheesemaking operations in the United States right before the break. But I was wondering, Andy, since you made you know, obviously a huge invest- investment by purchasing Uplands, uh, what do you see as the future of the farm in Pleasant Ridge in the long term? you want to expound on that? Yeah, well, that, that's... Um, uh Important question, and uh, you know, you alluded to the uh, the the risk and the debt uh, somebody in my position has to take on to to buy a farm. And so, uh, given that, you know, the plan for the next several years is survival. Right. Uh, you know, uh, pay pay back the bank. Um, that's sort of the unromantic uh, reality of it. Uh, uh, in terms of the cheese making, like like you said, I, we've not changed any of the principles, and I I really can't see doing that. Um, you know, we we'll make uh, Rush Creek, like I said, as as, uh, as long as we can. But we are a, a Pleasant Ridge farm. Everything we do here, from the, uh, the breeding of the cows, managing the pastures, uh, is all uh, geared around that uh, grazing season and producing. You know. the most beautiful milk we can for that cheese. Um, so, uh, 
there are, uh, you know, fantasies that knock around my head about growth, and I think that's as much just... Uh, what know, kind of uh, fantasies are you having, man? <laughs> <laughs> well, Greg, they involve uh, autumn milk. Really? Yeah, we, we still sell uh, some of this milk when we're done making Pleasant Ridge. Uh, we dry our cows up by about Christmas, so uh-huh. November, December, uh, quite a bit of milk. Well, all of it really leaves the farm, and we'll probably never use all that milk for Rush Creek. It's just uh, too labor-intensive of a cheese. Sure. Uh, so uh, as far as uh, growth goes or the next stage of what we do here, that's sort of the low-hanging fruit. You know, you, you have uh, some really beautiful, heavy, rich milk that... that that late fall milk, um, leaving the farm, you know, going down the road to a uh, local cheese factory. Uh, so I'm always, you know, I'm, uh, kind of at the drawing board with ideas, um, and it's it's fun to be at that stage. But um, uh, I always have a voice in the back of my head. It's probably Mike's voice, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, don't complicate it. Don't do know, it. Uh, don't do it. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, and sometimes. I feel like yeah, it'd be uh, you know, I'm like I'm married to Pleasant Ridge, and it'd be unfaithful. Um, <laughs> it was really interesting to see how much uh, the second cheese complicated uh, our lives. You know, how much uh, how much Rush it. Creek complicated your lives? Yeah, yeah. You just uh, you know, now I w- wake up in the morning and if you think about. Pleasant Ridge, you're falling asleep, you think about Pleasant Ridge, it's that sure. way for six six months, and then, you know, you can exhale and relax, uh, and all of a sudden you got uh, something else to think about. It's like having a, a second child at home. All right. Uh, just running in circles. I don't know that. Uh, I'm... So I'm certainly not, I'm in no rush to uh, complicate things here, but uh, the idea of a new cheese is, is fun, and uh, there is milk there that we've... We started playing with ideas, so uh, that's one reason I, yeah, I came out to New York recently, tasted my way through uh, some cheese counters, including yours. You guys have some incredible cheese that we just don't get out here. Oh, man, it's New York. I mean, it's just I always have planes, trains, automobiles, boat, boats, boats are out. Everything's moving towards me with cheese. I'm like, I don't even want to think about it right now. It makes me <laughs> it makes me nervous. It's so hot right now, and uh, but I'm. I understand the need. Well, not the need. I understand what you're talking about about making a making a new cheese. And I'm you and I have spoken about that when we do. Um, right. I mean, I always love. Uh, I love new stuff, and, and I collect cheese. Uh, but <laughs> but um, I mean, when, yeah, it's exciting. It is. I mean, it is. And 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 uh, when you taste something new, like for the first time, you know, and it's really good, you're super pumped, you know. And for you, I would imagine if you made you know made you made something, you know that. That like just got you um, even more, you know, even more stoked. I mean, that would be that would be a great way to grow for you. But I think also what I wanted to ask you is, and it's a weird question, but I'm asking you anyway. Like, it's almost like um, not like you would be. So, so Mike had you, you know, and uh, yeah. and that's great. Um, and I really love your path. I've been I've been reading up on uh, on how you lived in that. Um, remote shack in Norway with no TV yeah. and like I want I want to ask you about that in a second um, but um, do you who would make the cheese after you I mean would you would you want one of your uh, your little uh, you know the one of one of the the when li- I'm se- when I'm 75 yeah, years old yeah <laughs> I'll be long gone then but I want to know I want to know uh, you know 
Do you think about that ever? Oh, I do a little bit, you know, especially having children now. Right. You have a, you know, a, a one-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. Uh, it's, it, it's far too far away. But, I know. Um, I, mean, I know it's, it is. I do think about, um, well, you know, like we were talking about before with, with scale, you know. Uh, right. You, there's this um, kind of a American mantra, if you're not growing, you're dying. And, and, you know, I can feel that inside of me. You want to grow, you want to do new things, you want to get bigger. But I, I worry I'd get to the point where uh, my son couldn't afford to buy it. Right. Or, you know, you're going to have to sell to uh, a big company or an investment group, which isn't uh, the end of the world. But uh, we got to pick the right one, obviously. I mean, yeah, I... Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, and, and once they... Uh, a company like that uh, gets a hold of a, a farm like this. Uh, it's it's apt to change its principles. You know, I, I ended up not having to take on investors to buy this. That's but awesome. I did the dance with quite a few of them. Of course. And uh, they, you know, they all want to see that kind of hockey stick growth. Uh, you know, uh, a big growth in revenue, and and then you know they they get their payout or they they turn around and sell it again, and so. You know, a lot of them fed this kind of thinking of, oh, you got to do a third cheese. You got to do, you know, more pleasant rate. Let's bring in some outside milk. And so, you know, when when you uh, get to the scale and, and you have the financial obligations, the investors or shareholders, where you know they're constantly pushing for growth, um, I think you you sort of change the principles of an operation like this. You know, our farm is really based on the harvest of grass from you know, 300 acres over six months, there's a natural uh, limit to that. Sure. And, uh, you know, the you know, world of finance doesn't, isn't really built to respect something like that always. So, um, I think it's interesting word, you know, you, you, your plan is survival initially, you know, and, uh, I mean, that's the, just, I think the reality for all of us that a do this work, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, that mentality of you got to go, you got to grow all the time. I mean, I get uh, that bug poisons me, and that's how you end up with like three hundred types of cheese at your cheese counter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then you got to sell all that stuff, and you yeah. freak out. <laughs> but but um, I think that that's a, that's a a real honest honest look at it. And I think it's awesome that you didn't. Well, I mean. You're a smart man. You made you made your choices. I'm sure your your place will be in good hands. I just wanted to to pick your brain about it for a minute. Are you looking for a job, Greg? Or always, man. Yeah. Always. <laughs> oh, you, you've got a lucky job. And, and, uh, <laughs> no, I, uh, I I actually I have a really good um, cheese making crew here. Some of whom are actually even younger than I am. So uh, is that legal? The, the future the future looks. Uh, <laughs> Really good here. That's great, man. I'm sure it does. I um yeah. I want to ask you one more thing too. Um, so while I've been doing um these interviews, um, I realized that there's this crazy connection between uh, where I've been finding that a lot of uh, there's a lot of connection between uh, cheese professionals and music. Um, <laughs> my friend uh, Jason last week, um, and you should listen to that show because it's awesome. And uh, he was um he was a a DJ in London, like a house yeah. DJ in London, yeah. for for a while, which is a crazy scene. But you're a musician too, man, right? You play the violin, you play the ma- um, the mandolin. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was, yeah. do you um, are you still making music? Yeah, we just uh, got done in the studio actually. Um, 
and uh, you know, mixing and mastering uh, will be the second album with uh, with this band. That's that's yeah, great. String band music. Uh, I love that. It's a lot of fun. Point five is your band, right? Yep, that's it. That's yep. killer. And um, and you got a lot of instruments in your house. You said so, like yeah, yeah, piles of them. Piles <laughs> of them. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's my retirement plan. Um, is to uh, is to uh, take a point five on the road. Yeah, oh, I don't know. I've been there, done that. I don't couldn't. Uh, really? Not for me anymore. But uh, yeah, come out and play Italy. Oh, uh, we'd love that. That would be <laughs> that would be awesome. We'll set you up in the piazza. Um, lastly, uh, do you think that there's a connection between music and artists in the cheese community? Oh, I, yeah, I think so. I, I think uh, uh, I think brains that uh, are attracted to music can, can get attracted to sort of ry- rhythmic production like um, cheese making. I'm not just trying to like play on uh, I don't think you are rhythm. I really think it's there's some there's 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 rhythm and, and there's a cyclical nature to um, making cheese every day you know the rhythm of that is is really similar to uh, practicing and playing music you know especially if you're playing classical music or any music you you know you, a band goes on tour and plays more or less the same set you know uh, dozens of times in a, in, on a tour how do you make that meaningful Again and again. I mean, you really have to, you know, love that music. Sure. And the same thing, making cheese over and over again. It's like practicing a, a piece of music. You've got to find uh, meaning in in repetition. You got to, you know, fall in love with that. Uh, yeah, you got to buy into the rudiments of it, right? I mean, the scales of cheese making are probably yeah, serious. that's right. Yeah, it's you can really you internalize that rhythm and uh, get yeah locked into it and carried away with it. It's just, same sort of zone. Uh. That's great. Well, I think that's a good place for us to stop um, because it's on a on a great note. I want to say uh, thanks so much, Andy. It's always good to talk to you. Um, and uh, keep making that great cheese. And uh, hopefully we'll get your band to come out and play at Italy. <laughs> that would be hey. fun. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Greg. That's always a pleasure. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, this has been another episode of Cutting the Curd. We'll be back next week on live on the Heritage Radio Network. Cheers. listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.